0: The 3D Parent Podcast is on a vacation. My family is currently on an impromptu RV trip through Idaho, Montana, and Wyoming. While I'm away, I decided to replay my three foundational podcast episodes, What is the 3D Parent Approach? Cultivating a Deep Connection with Our Children and Discipline with Dignity. If you are a newer listener or have been along since the beginning of this podcast, I encourage you to listen to these episodes over the next three weeks. I promise you'll feel enlightened and inspired to make some impactful adjustments to your parenting strategies. I'll be back soon with new content. Until then, keep your focus on bringing dignity, direction, and deep connection to your families. Welcome back to the 3D Parent Podcast. So today I'm going to be diving into what is in the name 3D Parent parenting with dignity, direction, and deep connection. What do I mean by all of that? I'll start off by talking about the three Ds, dignity, direction, and deep connection first. So dignity, the first D, here I'm talking about respect, respectful parenting, respectful discipline, being mindful of our children's sensitivities and their sensitive spirits, and protecting their dignity. The second D, direction, This is about parenting with intuition. I talked about that a bit on my first intro episode where I talked about me kind of not feeling a sense of parenting intuition that it was kind of dormant or non-existent for me when I was first a parent and kind of full of so much confusion and frustration. So direction, that's about becoming the expert of your own kids in helping to make sense of their behaviors and how to address their underlying causes. I'm going to take a much deeper dive on this particular D today, so hold on there, okay? And now the third D, deep connection. Here, I'm talking about developing and maintaining and nurturing this deep, deeply rooted bond and attachment with your children throughout all of their childhood and beyond. So, The main name, the 3D parent, so 3D, three-dimensional parenting, that's where I'm talking about looking below the surface-level behaviors. So in contrast, like a 2D parent, this parent is like the old me. This parent is focused on controlling behaviors, really trying to control behaviors with rewards and consequences and timeouts. This is behaviorism. So, if you think back to maybe a high school or college psychology class you took, you probably heard about B.F. Skinner and his experiments on rats. He used rewards in these mazes and punishments to kind of control the rat's behaviors. So, if a rat kind of went one way in a maze, it found a little lever and it would hit the lever and a food pellet would come out, it was a positive reward. And the rat would kind of learn, oh, okay, I go this way and I hit this little lever, I'll get this great reward. I'm gonna do that again. I'm gonna do that again. In contrast, it would have another maze where the poor little rat would get up to a lever and it would push that lever thinking it was going to be a food pellet. It would actually be some type of an electric shock. And so pretty quickly the rat learns, oh yeah, don't strike that lever, or you're gonna get a negative consequence. You're gonna get a punishment, a shock from it. So This behaviorism kind of came from these rat experiments. So somebody along the way was like, hey, yeah, that that sounds like a really great way to control people, in particular children, and get them to do what we want them to do, to get them to stop doing bad things and to start doing or continue doing good things. This This is a very popular approach still to this day in our culture and also in modern day parenting. And Why is that? Well, it's because it seems to work. I'm sure many of you have done some of this out of desperation or maybe because it's been kind of your mode that you've been operating from since you first became a parent. It does seem to work in the short term. You can sometimes get your child to stop doing things or start doing things that are problematic by giving a reward or a punishment. What I meant to say there is that is a short-term kind of reward, but in the long run, this two-dimensional focus on behaviors and controlling behaviors approach will very often backfire. And I'm going to go into that in a lot more detail at a future episode when I'm talking about discipline. But going forward here, what I'm talking about with the 3D parent approach, I'm talking about a developmental approach. So. With the 3D approach, a parent is trying to make sense of their child's behavior. They view behavior as communication, so not just as something to kind of get your attention and that you need to deal with and reward or punish, but the 3D parent is literally looking at behavior as another form of communication so that... You can determine what's causing the behavior, what's below it. The third dimension, you're going not just two-dimensional, you're going deep, you're going below. You're trying to kind of uncover and discover what is driving problematic behavior, and then that kind of informs your choices and how you're going to support your child and get them unstuck from these problem behaviors. So another way to understand this 2D versus 3D approach to parenting One of the greatest influences on me as a parent and as a parent coach is world-renowned developmental psychologist, Dr. Gordon Neufeld. He co-authored a book called Hold On to Your Kids, and he also has an institute where he provides numerous courses and classes and a yearly conference. I've taken numerous intenses and courses and trainings through the Neufeld Institute. If you've never heard of it or looked it up before, you should definitely look it up. I'll put a link in my show notes for the Newfeld Institute and his book. They're both excellent resources for all parents or educators or people who interact with children. So Dr. Newfeld, he uses an analogy of sculptor and gardener to describe the difference between a behaviorist and a developmental approach. So here's what he means. So the sculptor parent, this is what I'm calling the 2D parent. This is your behaviorist. This is the Skinner-Rat parent, for lack of a better explanation. So this parent is focusing on actions, is focusing on behaviors, is focusing on performance. This parent wants to mold and shape their child and cut out the behaviors that are bothersome to them or they consider to be inappropriate. And the discipline for this sculptor 2D parent is all focused, as I've been saying, on rewards and punishments and consequences and coercion. This parent is also really focused on teaching a lesson and talking about a child making good choices. That is your sculptor 2D parent. So in contrast, Neufeld uses the analogy of the gardener parent. That's who I'm calling the 3D parent. And this is your developmentalist. So the gardener is not trying to control the child with rewards and punishments and other forms of coercion. They're trying to create conditions to help a child reach their own individual potential. This parent is focusing on relationship, is focusing on emotion and making sense of emotions and feelings and emotion coaching, and fostering conditions that is gonna help this child mature and grow and flourish. This parent is also trying to draw out good intentions in children versus always kind of shaming them for making quote unquote bad choices. This parent is using their connection, their attachment to lead and guide and come alongside their child. And also, this parent is trying to decode behaviors so they can address the underlying cause of them. So, if you could put yourself in your child's place and you have the choice between this sculptor parent or this gardener parent, who would you choose? Okay, so the sculptor parent is given this lump of clay or rather, you know, a slab of marble that they're going to now chisel at and hammer out and cut away and shape and form into their ideal specimen. That is your sculptor parent. The gardener parent is going to say, okay, hi there little seed. Hi there little baby seed. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to till the soil, I'm going to add in all of these nutrients and fertilizers, and I'm going to try and enrich the soil and the environment in which you're growing so that you can become whatever kind of flower or plant that you're supposed to be. And I'm going to try and help you have all these conditions that are going to help you grow and flourish and blossom. I don't know about you, but I would definitely choose the gardener parent. And that's what I've chosen to be as a parent myself. And that again is the parent that I'm calling the 3D parent. Hey there, parents. Are you tired of feeling like your kids are in charge at home, negotiating, demanding, and generally calling all the shots? Well, then I have a free resource for you called 10 Steps to Get Back in Charge of Your Kids. Just click the link below to download your own copy. Let's get you back in the driver's seat. So as I shared at length in my intro episode, I started out approaching parenting from this perspective of the sculptor, of this behaviorist parent, of this 2D parent. And I found that to be extremely limiting. I will, like I said, I'll go into more of the limitations with this style of discipline. But I became very, very well aware of the negative impact that it was having on my firstborn daughter and our relationship was suffering. And I just got to this point of just feeling like there's got to be more to this than just trying to constantly control these behaviors and sculpt these behaviors and try and get her to reach the certain ideal image of what my child should be like. And then after I went through this huge shift in my parenting, after my parent coach certification training, and when I was exposed to this different mode of thinking about parenting and child development, I became a gardener. And I've not turned back from this. So this is definitely the way I choose to parent. And I encourage the parents I work with in my parent coach practice to parent. So this is the 3D parent. So as I stopped and moved away from trying to control my child's behaviors and stopped trying to shape her and mold her and cut away those parts, and I started instead making sense of her behaviors. And I started to understand her better. And I enjoyed her more. And I enjoyed our relationship more. I started to see kind of what made her tick. I started to understand what caused problems for her. And the same is true for my other three children. I just use a lot of examples with my firstborn because she is kind of my pre and post. We kind of jokingly as a family say, oh yeah, we made all our mistakes on you. Obviously the truth is I still make mistakes all the time. I'm human. I'm not a perfect parent. And none of you are too. And that's not the goal here. But you can have an intention to parent with a different perspective and experience what kind of can become of this different approach. So as I adjusted the mode of which I was parenting my daughter and became the gardener, became the 3D parent, she started to grow and blossom and mature. So this might all sound well and good and you've understood now all the different analogies I've thrown at this, but now you're probably wondering, okay, how does one do this? How does one execute? The 3D parent approach in real life. How exactly do you dig below the surface level behaviors and decode the behaviors and discover what's the root cause of them? And and then what do you do? How do you address them? Well, it takes practice. I'm going to be real with you. There's going to be some times when you're going to feel like I don't know what I'm doing. I feel like I have less parenting intuition than I did before because. Before at least, I knew, okay, if my head kid behaves this way, then I'm going to give this, uh, this consequence. I'm going to give this punishment, or I'm going to give this reward for this good behavior. Before, you might have felt like that was maybe some type of intuition, but wasn't helping you understand what your child needed to grow and flourish. No. So it's going to take practice. So to look at the behavior as communication and determine these underlying causes, sometimes it can be really simple. Sometimes your child is just hungry or hangry, as I often say. Sometimes your child is exhausted or overtired. If that's the cause of your child's behavior, does it make any sense at all to throw punishment at that for being hungry or tired? I don't think so. I would encourage you to not think so either. Many problems also, I would say even the majority of problem behaviors are the results of immaturity. Your child is developmentally young in these areas. Does it make sense to punish a child for being young, for not being developmentally ready and able to handle certain situations? I don't think that makes sense either. So how do you decode behaviors and figure out what is the underlying cause? Well, first steps first, you need to get out of this two-dimensional mindset. You need to stop being the sculptor, this behaviorist. Stop trying to control these behaviors. Stop the rewards. stop the punishment, stop the sticker charts, the timeouts, the yelling, whatever you've been doing up to this point to try and control and shape behavior, just stop. Instead, approach your child like a scientist observing its test subject. You need to develop a sense of curiosity about your child and you cannot get sucked up into the emotions of what's going on. Otherwise, there's no way you can do this. So instead of getting wrapped up and getting all riled up and starting to lash out at your child and threaten them and give these punishments, remember, we're not going to do that anymore. We've taken that off the table. You're going to look at your child and their behaviors, no matter how dramatic, no matter how over the top they may be, and you're going to start to get curious and ask yourself these questions. Why is my child doing this? What is causing this behavior? Is there some kind of an unmet need that needs addressing? That's where you're going to go. So like I said, the need could be super simple. You look at the clock, you're like, oh my gosh, my kid is starving. So rather than punishing your child, just say like, you know what? You're really hungry. Here's some food. You just go right for the basic underlying unmet need that needs to be addressed. Like I said, sometimes it could be sleep. Maybe your child is due for a nap. Maybe your child needs to go to bed a little bit earlier that night. Maybe if your child's not a napper, if it's not quite time for bedtime, you help your child find rest somehow. Maybe you curl up under a blanket and you read a book together or you listen to a book or tape or you watch a favorite cartoon or movie. You do something to kind of help your child find rest. Your child might also need your patience. And that's if your child might be doing some type of behavior because they're immature. They've not grown out of certain immature behaviors yet. They need a little bit of time to be able to grow and develop out of whatever this problem behavior is. They need your patience. They need you to make space for them and time for them and nurture them so they can stop behaving this way. That might be really annoying because it is the product of immaturity. Your child might have a need for contact for closeness. Maybe you've been away from each other all day, you've been at work and your child's been at school or daycare, you haven't seen them for a while and you get home and you've got all these things you need to be addressing and all these tasks that need to be done and you want your kid to kind of like, get off your case and entertain themselves and go play, And they're just at you and they're going to get your attention any way they can. A lot of times people think, oh gosh, they really need a lot of attention. And they're just like at me and I provide attention. Is that going to be reinforcing? Is that going to be sending them the message that, oh, okay, behave badly, you know, and you have all this negative ways of trying to get my attention. And if I actually give you attention, I'm going to be reinforcing that bad behavior. No, your child's communicating something to you. They need you. They need you to set aside all the things that are on your agenda and to connect with them. You've got to make time for that, particularly if you have been separated for a period of time, particularly if you've been away from each other or it's the first thing in the morning and you've been separated because you've been asleep in your own rooms or any other type of separation, you need to connect with your child. That might be the need that is underlying some problematic behaviors. Another need that your child might have is the need to vent their frustrations and unload all this emotional baggage they've been carrying around from them from the day. That is very common, folks, particularly if you have a school aged child. A lot of times I'll hear from parents, oh, my child is great during the day at school. The teacher keeps on raving about their behavior. The kid comes home, walks in the front door, and I get a huge explosion in Tantrum Central. your child might be full of frustration. Your child might have had a lot of little things that have kind of bugged them throughout the day that they didn't feel like they could actually express because they were at school and they were around peers and they needed to behave in certain ways because that's the social structure of the school day. But when they get home, they need to have that space to kind of vent the frustrations and unload. We'll talk about that more in my discipline episode coming up. Another need, your child might need you to help them co-regulate. What I mean by that is. Your child may not be able to regulate their own emotions right now. They may be dysregulated. They may not have the ability to regulate their own emotions yet or not at this given moment. And they need your calm, secure, empathetic presence to kind of help be witness to them in whatever emotions are coming out of them at that given moment and to kind of provide that calm, empathetic voice to kind of help them get to a place of calm once they've kind of moved through all of that venting and all the things that they need to express to you. Another thing they might need is direction, help finding something to do. Sometimes you'll see this, um, again, straight in the door from being out and about during the day. You walk in the front door and you want your child just to be able to jump right into autopilot and entertain themselves. They might actually need a little help figuring out something to do. This also is really common if you've kind of hit your screen time limit for the day and you've said, okay, turning off screens, and then your child suddenly is incapable of figuring out anything else to do. They might need help finding that thing to do. They might need you to kind of connect with them and get them going on a project before they can do it on their own. So once you have asked those questions and you've looked and you've been observing these behaviors and you've looked and you've kind of dug a little deeper, you've gone to that third dimension and you've determined kind of what the underlying cause or the unmet need is that's driving that behavior, the next thing to do might be to name that feeling for your child. This is not always necessary. You don't need to say, oh, I think you must be hungry. Because sometimes if a kid is in the middle of a fit and you say, I think you're hungry. No, I'm not, I'm not hungry. I'm mad at you for this. Or they might say, that's not true. In other times, it can be really helpful to say, gosh, you seem really frustrated. There must have been something that went on today at school that really upsets you. So sometimes saying, I see this, I'm observing this and expressing it, that's kind of that emotion coaching piece where you're kind of helping your child make sense of something that's happened for them that day and what's driving that behavior. You don't need to say, oh, I think you're acting this way because of this. You can skip the, I think you're acting this way portion of that and just say, you seem really tired or you seem really upset and frustrated or come here, come sit on my lap. I think you need a little mama time right now. Or you know what? I haven't seen you all day long. I would love to come dig out a game and play one round of Candyland with you, whatever it might be. You don't have to tell them necessarily unless you think that could be really helpful, particularly in situations where your child is just needing to vent frustrations. And then the last thing you need to really do is meet the need address the need and you do so without shaming your child, without blaming them for having this reaction, this emotion, this, you know, this behavior, you don't shame them. You don't blame them for it. And you certainly don't issue a consequence for it. You meet the need, you address the underlying cause, and that's going to help your child get unstuck from this cycle of problematic behaviors. So a couple examples of some times that I have decoded behavior problems in my kids and gotten to the root causes. Um, I've already talked quite a bit in my intro about my firstborn child. One of the things that my husband and I observed in her behavior when she was about six-ish were huge mood swings. It's like one minute she was full of life and happiness. The next moment, she was just like angry and frustrated. And we were trying to make sense of where these mood swings were coming from. And one of the things that we started kind of honing in on was her diet. This was such a picky eater. She just only liked certain foods and they mainly were white. They mainly were carby or had sugar in them. And so she kind of was just like going on these sugar crasses all day long. And when we kind of made this connection between her mood swings and her diet, which was really not ideal at the time, we decided we needed to get some help. And we sought out the help of a nutritionist who helped us kind of get expand our daughter's diet, get some important supplements and nutrients and vitamins into her diet. And that kind of translated to less mood swings throughout the day. It really helped her behavior. Not all, it wasn't the one side, it wasn't like the fix it for everything, but it certainly helped with some of these mood swings we were seeing. Another example, my third born daughter, when she was in pre-K, she was five years old. During the first, I don't know, couple weeks of school. School is great. She loved it. She was so excited to go. Then the honeymoon wore off. And then she started to really resist going to school in the morning. She just wanted to stay home. She wanted to stay warm in her PJs. She didn't want to leave. And yes, I could have approached that by getting mad at her and threatening her and bribing her to get her to school. But instead, when I kind of recognize, okay, what she's really struggling, struggling with here is separating from me. It's really hard for her. She's very sensitive. And she's always had a hard time separating from me and kind of transitioning to things. Still, even at seven years old, it's a challenge for her. But at five, it was really hard to the point where she would shut down completely. So we had to make a plan to kind of help her get through that morning routine and get her off to school in a way that didn't feel so stressful so that she could separate from me without so much stress. We needed to kind of change up our morning routine. And we also needed to be really intentional with how we transitioned her from my care to the teacher's care. So where at one point I was kind of dropping her off and she'd kind of get up into the line with the other students. I got out of the car, I parked and I stood with her in the line and I actually walked her all the way into the classroom with the rest of her students. And I got her all the way into the classroom and passed her off into her teacher's care. We made this really intentional transfer of care between me and her teacher. And that helped. She felt secure and she started to bond and make more of a connection with her teachers in the classroom which made it easier for her to separate from me because she knew, oh, I'm now I'm in this person's care right now. So making the shift from two-dimensional parenting to this three-dimensional approach that I'm talking about here, this is going to take time, folks, and it's not going to be without frustration along the way. As you're starting to practice decoding behaviors in your children and addressing the underlying causes, you're going to make mistakes. That's okay. You're, I've made plenty of mistakes. I still make mistakes. You're not going to always have the patience. Sometimes you're at your wits end and you just need certain behaviors to stop and you don't have time to sit there like the scientist getting curious and wondering, oh, what's driving this behavior? Sometimes you're not going to have it in you. Sometimes you're going to revert to your old way of doing things and you're going to start issuing out rewards and punishments and bribes. That's going to happen sometimes. That's okay. You're trying to make a big shift in the way that you're parenting your child you may not always guess or get at the root cause right away. You might take a couple stabs and it'll take a little while to figure out actually what is driving problem behaviors. And you also now might be confused. All right, I'm getting pretty good at decoding the behaviors, but I don't always know what to do next. And now you're saying that I'm not supposed to do rewards and punishments and consequences and timeouts. So what am I supposed to do next? Well, one thing I encourage you to do next is to keep listening to the 3D Parent Podcast. I'll be sharing more insights into the 3D parent approach. In the next two episodes, I'm going to get much deeper into discipline that is dignified, that is respectful, that keeps your relationship protected, yet still helps you guide your child, lay down clear boundaries and uphold those boundaries and kind of what to do when your child spins out of control. I'll also be going much deeper into how to foster this deep connection and attachment with your child and give you lots of ideas of how you can continue to foster that tight knit relationship that you want. Thank you once again for listening to the 3D Parent Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in this week to the 3D Parent Podcast. I hope it has provided you with the inspiration you need for building stronger relationships with your children and trusting your instincts when it comes to parenting. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered on the podcast, or if you'd like one-on-one parent coaching, head over to the3dparent.com and click the contact tab to send me your question. If today's discussion empowered your parenting, please be sure to subscribe to the show, leave a rating and a review. Also, I'd love to connect with you on social media So take a screenshot, share it on your Instagram stories and tag me at the 3D parent. I look forward to meeting you here again next week on the 3D parent podcast.